0: Hello everybody and welcome to yet another Teal Tinted Glasses. We do apologize for uh, not being here last week Uh, when we said we were going to go, just had some stuff come up, but we're here now and we've got a ton of stuff to talk about, so uh, settle in and uh, enjoy the show, I guess. Uh, With me as always today is Mr. Hockey Jerk. I
1: thought you were going to Kevin first, so I was muted. I'm sorry, Jerk. (laughs) No, that's all right. How are you?
0: Fantastic. And Kevin Lacey, you can also see his beautiful face on the screen.
2: Hey, everybody. Uh, Sorry, I don't have much of a voice right now, but glad to be on the show with you. I'm really, uh, you know, as Ian said, we have a lot to talk about. So let's dive right in Um, because, uh, yeah, you know, I said on the last show. We're in the the process of hiring coaches, not firing coaches these days. That's I mean, true. There's a lot of coach news on this show. So
0: There absolutely is. Um, all right. So what we've started off each show uh, over the past um, few shows that we've done, we've kind of taken a look at some of the eliminated teams. And so on the docket tonight is going to be the Carolina Hurricanes, the Boston Bruins, and the Colorado Avalanche. Um, we could have done the – Um, the Golden Knights and the Islanders, but I just, I don't know. I feel like give us a little more time to, to take a look at those teams um, before just coming on um, since they just got eliminated. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. So we are going to start with the Carolina hurricanes. Um, The first bit of news with them, of course, is that Dougie Hamilton was granted permission to speak to other teams. Um, And I'm just going to give you a quick little rundown of their UFA RFA situation. Um so their unrestricted free agents up front are Brock McGinn, uh Jordan Martinuk, uh Cedric Paquette, uh Warren Fogle is a um arbitration eligible restricted free agent. On the blue line is the aforementioned Dougie Hamilton, uh, Yanni Hachenpah, and Jake Bean is an RFA without um any arbitration rights. And apparently the the theme of tonight is going to be teams we're looking at. They have no goaltending. Uh James Reiner, Reimer, Peter Mrazek, um, and Alex Nadolkievich, although Ndokovic obviously is a arbitration-eligible restricted free agent, so he's not exactly gone. But, um, yeah, so that's the situation with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, what do you guys think?
2: I think it's a little harsh to say that Carolina doesn't have any goaltending um, because I think Alex Ndokovic is the goalie of the future for that organization. Um, I think it's fair to say they don't have any, like, reliably proven goaltending uh, because Mrazek and Reimer seem to be on their way out. Although I could see James Reimer returning for a, for a a year in a backup role. But um, Carolina is fortunate to have so many young pieces like they do that. I think they're of all the teams that we have spoken about so far on, on our return shows and, and uh, covering each team. I think Carolina is the team we should be the least concerned about going forward. I think their future uh, aspects are the brightest of any team that's been eliminated in the playoffs. And, um, you know, if they, they strike out on the goalie market here in the offseason, because there's going to be a lot of goalies available here in free agency and probably by trade as well. Um, if they somehow do strike out in free agency, they've got the pieces to be able to trade for someone uh of quality, if that's the route they decide to go.
0: Yeah, definitely. um I think, yeah, I mean, i no goaltending isn't really fair because, like I did say, like, obviously, Ndok- it has got the, is it a restricted free agent. So, I mean, he's not going anywhere. I can't see anybody dropping an offer sheet on them because um, I think there's a lot of, there's, you know, as we go through the list, we're going to see there's a lot of. Decent, like maybe not amazing goaltenders, but there's going to be a lot of decent goaltenders um, that teams can sign, whether they're looking for, uh, you know, a one B or a backup or even a starter. Um, I mean, yeah, I agree. I think Carolina's in probably the best shape going forward, um, as far as you know, keeping their core together. And I don't, I don't think they're going to have too much trouble in free agency. Although, obviously. Dougie Hamilton being allowed to speak to other teams. I mean, that's a little bit concerning because we know that, um, you know, Tom, Tom Dundon, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, has a set value for players. And if he thinks that, you know, you're above that set value, he'll be like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I think that might come back to bite them down the road at some point, especially in free agency. Like, I. I, I don't think that Carolina is going to get into a bidding war, obviously. But if they can find their guy at the right price, then I, I think they'll get him. I think that that's the only thing that would probably concern me with the Hurricanes going forward. But I, I agree. I mean, this is a team where uh, the window is, in my opinion, still wide open. Obviously, you're going to have to find a way to get past Tampa Bay um, at some point because I think, you know, Tampa Bay is probably going to be a decent a horse, even even with the the moves that Tampa is going to have to do this summer. Tampa is still going to be a horse, and they're going to be the the team you're going to have to beat to get out of the East. But um, yeah, I think that they're overall, I think they're in great shape. Uh, Jerk, yeah, would, any thoughts? Oh, go ahead.
1: I would I would agree with that. I mean, you just. You look at their top forwards, I mean, I, I, I tend to forget that Sebastian Ajo is only 23 years old. Uh, and even, I mean, Tavo Ter- Teravainen is 26, Trocek 27, you have Martin Neches 22. I mean, they are a very young group, at least up front. And even on the blue line, I mean, they're a bit older, obviously. They're in that, you know, 27 to to 30 range. But, you know, it's it, it's not the Sharks with a 35, 36, 30 whatever year olds um so obviously they're in good shape but i like you know kevin i think brings a good point yeah nadelkovich is the guy you know There, obviously i mean he's the only one who is technically a controlled asset at this point but i i they they better hope that nadelkovich can be what he was this past year for the rest of his career or at least a good chunk of his career because as good as this team has been the last three years i've 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 bitched and complained about their goaltending very often, and now it seems like they finally got a guy uh, who can be a long-term option and a pretty solid long-term option. So I think what was their biggest flaw? I looks to have a solution uh, in the wings. So I think that's obviously positive for them. But aside from you know obviously getting the Delkovich sign, and I think I don't think a better bottom six would kill them. At least one. More decent bottom six guy, but aside from that, I don't think there's a whole lot they need to do. I think I really think they can live without Dougie Hamilton. Um, am I partially biased because in locker cleanout day he was kind of being a whiner? Maybe, but <laughs> i I think they can live without him. I mean that that blue line is very good without him. Very stingy defensively, and I mean the offense from the blue line is nice, but I think ultimately they don't need him. Yeah, and
2: and you know that I have not really ever been on that Dougie Hamilton train I've thought he's been highly overrated I will give him credit I think he's played his best hockey of his career with Carolina um, but I don't think Carolina needs him as much as he needs them whether he realizes that or not Um, I do think he ends up going somewhere else and Um, I think the only concern that I have is if Carolina loses another defenseman like Brady Shea to uh, expansion, losing two defensemen, that might be a bit tough to overcome. But again, it just goes back to what I said with the goaltending. I think that Carolina's got enough young assets that they needn't worry.
0: I also, I I look at this team and this is a team that's very, um, like, they play to their system really well, too. Like... I think um, Rod Brindamore has this team dialed into where he wants them, and I feel like the no player is greater than the sum of its parts because of the way they're coached and the way that they stick to their system so rigidly. Um, so, I mean, I think, yeah, you probably could plug another guy in there and get pretty similar results, I think. I, I do like Dougie Hamilton, but, um, but at the end of the day, I think this is a team that should be, you know, as well coached, their coaches returning. Um, and I think that, that goes a long way too. Um, so next up is the, uh, Boston Bruins. And I'm going to go through the list here cause it's quite extensive. Um, so you got the, uh, unrestricted free agents up front are David Krejci, uh, Taylor Hall, Sean Corrale, um, Arbitration-eligible uh, restricted free agents are Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie, um, and Trent Frederick is uh, just a regular plain old RFA. On the blue line, uh, Stephen Kampfer, Jared Tenorti, Kevin Miller, Mike Riley are all unrestricted free agents, and Bren Carlo is an uh, arbitration-eligible restricted free agent. In goal, Yaroslav Halak, UFA, Tuka Rask, UFA, uh, Tuka Rask also is going to need surgery that should keep him out until the middle of next season. My question is this, is this the door slamming shut on the Boston Bruins?
1: No, I think <laughs> it's the Jeremy Swayman show. Uh, <laughs> now I, I think, I think if they can get everybody, they need to get back on board. I, I, I can still see them having another run at it. I mean, you know, David Krejci has already kind of intimated he doesn't want to go anywhere else. Yeah, And to me, to me I look at that as like, okay, uh, what number under your previous number would you like? Because that's what you're getting. And I think Taylor Hall's expressed his interest as well. Do they get him at the $4 million they were paying him after the trade? Doubtful. So kind of tough to see there. I think... I mean, they should bring back Nick Ritchie at this point. I've never been a fan of Nick Ritchie, but I give him credit. He had a very good year this year. Um, He
2: still follows me on Twitter for some reason.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I feel really sorry for Andre Kasha. He's a player that I generally really liked, and he's been very unhealthy the last two years, which is unfortunate. But I think if they can get their guys all signed up um, and back on board, I say, yeah, absolutely, that door is still open for them. The keys are obviously... I mean Richie Kasha, like these are guys that I don't think it's going to cause too much problem getting signed. I think Brandon Carlo. I think I we could see a fight come out of that one. Um, just with how reliable he's proven to be for them, I I wouldn't be surprised if if that one drags out until close to next season starts. Um, I kind of think that's their one tough one they need to get together. I feel like David Krejci, like I said, he's sort of down for whatever you know so i'm not too worried about that the goaltending it is a bit suspect i will say but you know kevin knows i i am quite fond of jeremy swayman so maybe you just give him the net and say all right kid let's see what you got maybe you sign a backup guy bring bring halak back you Mm -hmm. know bring bring tuca back and stash him on long-term injury you know do something like that but i don't think the window's closed but there's a handful of things that all kind of need to happen for it to stay open. Yeah. I
0: feel like going back to the regular divisions, like that's, that's that, that hill's getting a little more steep than it's been previously um, in the Northeast. Um, Well,
1: and real quick, my always, my complaint about them is that they, you know, they have the big line, but they have never been able to find somebody to play with David Krejci. Yeah. Now they finally, they finally found Taylor Hall to play with David Krejci and it worked really well you know they sort of stubbed their toe in round two but I finally unlocking you know that success of finding somebody with David Krejci I mean I, I would hate to see them if they do want to remain competitive be like okay back to status quo where you know Krejci's going to play with Jake DeBruskin eh, whatever wave or wire pickup we get so I, I, I could almost see this be like a new kind of a new era so to speak where they yeah they have the big line but they're more deep um on the rest of their lines
2: kevin um well you since you mentioned jake debrusque i think part of it is going to be that they're going to really need him to take a step forward this next year um especially if they do lose taylor hall because because jake debrusque is really um regressed quite a bit here this year and even even some people were complaining about him last year too I don't I don't think that was really fair but um definitely only 14 points in 41 games I mean that's Sharks level offense right there so right uh Jake DeBrus needs to to step it up especially if Hall is gone <clears throat> you also mentioned jerk about Brandon Carlo and I think Brandon Carlo, yes, there there could be a, a very sticky contract situation there um, in part because I wonder if we're reaching buyer beware on Brandon Carlo given his injury history throughout his career and especially this year because I believe he had three serious injuries injuries two of which were concussions this year if i'm not mistaken and i know he blew out his knee a couple of years ago as well and the kid's only 24 years old so to have if if my memory serves me correctly he's had five major injuries and he's only 24 years old so yeah like he's a he's a very solid defenseman and you know what i need to double check his age on that but i thought i was right on that um But he's a a very reliable defenseman, Um, and he should get paid. But I wouldn't put it past Boston to be like, "Eh, let's give you a one-year deal and show you can finish out the season first. Um, And then speaking of injuries, Ian, you mentioned Tuka Rask. Um, You know, Tuka Rask has said he's not playing for anyone else but Boston. Right. So Boston's kind of in the driver's seat there that – if they want to go with Jeremy Swayman uh, to start the season, I, I, I think they can, knowing that uh, Tuka Rask might eventually join the team like around February, you know, just before the trade deadline next season. Um, should they sign someone else as a precaution if they don't bring Halak back as well? I think so. Um, but Jeremy Swayman had great numbers this year. That's another situation, though, that... I want to see, I want to see what he can do over the long run because I, I think his trajectory is a lot like Zane McIntyre, who, Zane McIntyre, blew the roof off of Providence for a couple of years and never really got his opportunity in Boston, and then just kind of bounced around in the minors, went overseas, came back, and, and so Jeremy Swaven kind of had the same college numbers. Here he is had a very nice rookie year. I assume he'll have a good year next year, but what level is he going to be at? Can he be a, a starting goalie in the NHL? I don't know about that. Um, is he ready for the NHL full-time? Maybe. But uh, there, there's a lot of question marks about the Bruins. The one thing I will say, Ian, to, to kind of circle uh, this all together here. You asked are they past their prime? And I'm going to say no because how many years have we said this about the Bruins every off season and been proven wrong?
0: I know. I know. And I know. knew I knew when I wrote it down. I'm like this this is it, right? I'm like, well, right. maybe
2: Like for all intents and purposes? Yes, but I I know I've said on at least two off season shows recapping the Bruins, I've said I know. Bruins are going nowhere, you know, and here they are like still still a powerhouse team in the east so
0: yeah i mean and that division too like that division's going to be interesting next year because i feel like the floor the both the florida teams are fine they're in toronto's in right and then there's that last spot and i'm not sure who's gonna slide into it is it boston i don't know boston you know not having tuka rask for um half the year you know they're gonna have to figure out something in goal. Could they yeah, it's possible. I mean, it's not like there's, you know, there's there's it's weird because that division is like either you know, super like super loaded teams or absolute, you know, milk cans. Like there's no there's no in between there. It's like the teams are either really good or really bad. You know, cuz what well, what else is there? I mean, I don't know what Montreal is next year. But other than that, Ottawa's Still going to be Ottawa. Buffalo's still going to be Buffalo. So I don't know. Um, Patrick
2: Tyler in the chat said, uh, "Cup window closed. Yes. Playoff team still. Yes. Yeah. I think I like it's a. It.
0: I think they're like a they're a they're a two rounds and out team.
2: I sure. I, I I agree with that. However, Montreal is in the Stanley Cup Finals as an 18th seed for sure. So. I'm not going to rule out Boston being a cup contender still.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, all right, I—I uh, I mean, I don't really have much to add here. Like, I think Brandon Carlo's is an interesting thing. Like you guys brought up, I wonder if that's a case where we go to player, um, player-elected arbitration. I think that's something to watch with them. But I think you know what—I—I I, I don't know what Taylor Hall is going to do. Right? Like, is Taylor Hall again going to be like? I'll take the money because if, if that's the case then you know it'll be another situation where he goes probably somewhere that has money and then yeah, hopes to God to I, get traded at the deadline.
2: I think there are going to be some teams that could be able to uh outbid Boston for the for just for cap purposes if nothing else.
0: Right. Um I it's going to be interesting and then to see what they do in goal I think that's going to be um fascinating. All right, so let's move on to the Colorado Avalanche, and I will give us the rundown one more time here. Um, So your unrestricted free agents are Mika Solonanski, Pierre-Edward Belmar, Brandon Saad, obviously that's a big one, Gabriel Landeskog, I can't see him going anywhere else, uh, Matt Calvert are all unrestricted free agents, Kiefer Sherwood is a restricted uh, free agent with arbitration right, as is Tyson Jost. On the blue line, obviously the big one is Kale McCarr as an RFA and it's an issue. It's going to be interesting to see what they do there because on Kale McCarr is, is that, you know, if, the, if he was a shark, he'd get screwed. But do they try to lock him up on a deal and, you know, eat up some UFA years and just get it done? I'm curious to see if that's the route they go with him. Um, Patrick Nemeth is also an unrestricted free agent on the blue line. And uh Philip Grubauer and Devin Dubnik are both unrestricted free agents, again. Um goaltending question marks.
1: I think I don't know, I, I, I look at Kale McAfarr and I think you present a good point where it's like, okay, will he will he take that short term bridge deal to kinda keep everything low or like is now the time to just buy up some UFA years, like you said? And I think I think it depends on what you what ends up happening with Landis Gogg and Philip Grubauer because if those two end up ringing the bell, I could see Joe Sackick just go to McCarr and say, Hey, what are your thoughts about two years or three years? But you know, if Landis Gogg and Grubauer if they have that McKinnon mindset where it's like, Yeah, we'll just we'll take enough to survive and then you just sort of do whatever else you gotta do. Then I could I could see a McCar contract be a little more rich, but I think this is very similar to Boston, where I don't really think they need to do anything outside of getting back the guys that they're, you know, poised to lose right now. I mean, like you said, Landeskog's not going anywhere. I I don't see Grubauer going anywhere. I mean, he, he's in a pretty good spot in Colorado, I think. I see him resigning signing there. Um, I thought Brandon sod fit there as well, but... I mean, they have Nachushkin, they have Donskoy, they have Burakovsky. Like, they got plenty of forwards. I'm, if I'm Colorado, I'm not even really worried about next season or who's signing, who's the goalie, who's our captain if Landeskog doesn't come back. But I'm, I'd be looking at expansion draft because I think whether they do seven three one or they do four four one or eight one, I should say, they're they're gonna take a hit somewhere. Yeah, and I sort of think that could set off a whole chain reaction because let's say. You know, let's say Seattle plucks Jonas Donskoy, and so they're down a forward, and then Saad and Landeskog are both like, "Yeah, we're out of here." Totally different dynamic at that point.
0: Yeah, I, I think. I mean, that's that's a great point. Another question I, I have too is is what like if they try to move on from Nazem Kadri. Because yeah. like this is a guy who I like, like as a player, I like Nazem Kadri but he's. Yeah. Become such a liability in the playoffs. Yeah, and yeah. player safety Nazem loves Qadri, to just. I,
2: I, I think Nazem Kadri and Evgeny Kuznetsov have the big, the two biggest spotlights on them here in the off season as far as the 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 problem children, either on or off the ice, and what where will they go? Because I don't see either of them returning to their teams next season and if i'm curious um um jerk yep. do you think colorado loses a forward or a defenseman in the expansion draft because uh if they lose a a forward and trade kadri i'd got to think they'd get need to get at least one forward in return um yeah it, it it's honestly really tough right
1: because let's say they lose someone like Taves or Graves, you know what I mean? Well, Bowen Bowen Byram is right there, no problem. But at the same time, like, your defense is so good. It's so inexpensive. Like, if I'm Colorado, I'm really trying to keep that together. Like, if I'm Colorado, I would do the 8-1. Like, protect, mm-hmm. you know, Gerard, Taves, Graves, McCarr, Protect those guys. And the forwards, I mean, like I said, their forwards are really good, but, okay, so you're going to protect Rantanen, McKinnon, um. I wouldn't protect Landis Gog. He's a UFA if Seattle wants to claim him. Well, he'll just come back and sign on July 28th. I don't Absolutely. think that's a worry. And then it's sort of like, okay, we'll keep Burakovsky and we'll keep Jonas Donskoy. I don't know.
2: Like, I wouldn't let's keep say, Burakovsky at $5 million. I wouldn't protect him anyway.
1: Well, okay, that's, that's fair. But fair. My, 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 my point being is I think they can go the 8-1 route. And even if they lose, like I said, they lose burakovsky don's going to there's going to be a a wealth of very similar wingers that they can sign a free agency maybe if they lose one of those guys maybe there's room to bring brandon sod back so i i I think expansion however the the chips fall for expansion i think is really going to determine how they handle the rest of their off season
2: yeah and then um, another another goaltending situation. I think at least with Philip Grubauer this year, um, you know, my big concern was he's got that Ben Bishop thing where he mm-hmm. lasts a couple of rounds and then he gets hurt. And Grubauer at least didn't get hurt, and I thought Grubauer played very well in the playoffs this year, uh, and played very well this year overall. Um, so I think that's a fit for a re-signing if the dollar amount matches um but the the avalanche have quite a few contracts um expensive contracts there so I'll, they do need to worry about eventual cap space because you said Makar's uh an rfa eventually mm-hmm. bowen byram will be an rfa as well uh you know their long-term aspects are are a bit perplexing to me and then Pavel Francois, you know, is, is a quality backup but he missed all of last year due to injury. So I don't think you can just say, eh, well if Grubauer is gone, you just give the reins to Francois." I think that's a bad idea. So I think yeah. uh, Colorado's going to get creative with some some trades here. Uh, maybe not at the draft, but some at some point over the over the off season. And the thing that Oh, oh go ahead. I well, you go ahead because okay.
0: I, I have two questions for Kevin, okay. So you. okay so I so one thing that with Colorado that would concern me is earlier this year um you know Donald cheerer probably had a stroke when um mcKinnon said well, I would take less to keep this team together but I think something that Colorado does have to still be mindful of is like so you want to bring back Brandon sod right like if because you already have Renton and making nine and a half like, how long is McKinnon going to be happy if guys keep coming and ringing the bell before it's his turn to ring the bell again?
2: The point that we saw yeah.
1: with Pavelski. That's that that is a good point because it, like M- McKinnon taking the haircut every time that doesn't mean anything if everybody else doesn't.
0: That's what I'm Yeah, no, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Like I think that's a thing that I I you know, cuz obviously he's coming out and he says the right things and uh, honestly, you wish you know obviously you want more guys to be like that to try and keep a team together but it only works if everyone's on the same page and you've already got Rantanen making nine and a half like if you're trying to bring back Sod, does Sod go well why am I making less than Miko Rantanen
1: yeah and I, I think the good thing for them is I see Landis Gog following the McKinnon model like I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if Landeskog after it's all said and done if he says hey you know give me the same deal I just came off of. Maybe a little more. Mm-hmm. Like, It seems to me that Colorado is very important to Landeskog. I mean, I, I've always felt this way, and I'll say it right now. I think Landeskog is one I of heard. the... I think he's the best captain in the league. Wow. And, yeah. And I just think the team is too important for him to, you know, be worried about dollars and cents. The question or the two questions I had for Kevin, um, I'm not, so I'm not totally sure if they trade Nazem Kadri, but if they do, let's just say for fun, do you think maybe there's a reality where you see something like Kadri, not the exact deal, maybe there's pieces on either side, but Kadri for Kuznetsov?
2: I know, as I was saying it, like, that, that thought did cross my mind. Um, You know, from Washington's perspective, it might not be bad because maybe Kadri would realize, hey, Tom Wilson's here to do all the dirty shit in in the league. So (laughs) then with Wilson on the roster, maybe Kadri just focuses on hockey because, you know, he's pretty good at that. So maybe they maybe if Kadri went to the Capitals, they'd get the best version of him. Finally, I, I never know. Um, um, Kuznetsov on Colorado is just filthy. That's yeah, just like yeah. that's so wrong.
1: <laughs> and I, I I think too, from Washington's perspective, I think it would be good. I think it would be good business for them because, you know, we, we we've debated Anthony Mantha versus Jacob Verona. All day. That's going to be
2: one for a while. Mm -hmm.
1: But I think just looking at it from a pure dollars and cents perspective, like after it's all said and done, Verona is going to end up getting more than what Mantha is getting for the next three years. So I think from a dollars and cents perspective, it makes a lot of sense for Washington to do that. And I think it would make the same amount of sense for them to do something like a Kuznetsov for Kadri. I mean, you've got 7.8 million. Um, going out the door and you would hypothetically only be bringing in four and a half back, you know, that could that's money you could put elsewhere to a goalie maybe. Um, but we're not talking about Washington. Um, <laughs> and my other question and this is more like galaxy brain you know, veering off the sacred timeline stuff here, but
2: Okay, Tyson Jost is a second line center in my alternate Colorado universe. So. <laughs> I
1: I have this weird feeling, like maybe less than five percent. Could Philip Grubauer beat Bobrovsky two point Where some team just throws a boat at him? Possible. I mean, I look at how he he sustained a nine twenty two save percentage over forty starts. And I could see a team, Edmonton, getting real stupid with that. I like
0: Kevin's comparison because I think it's really apt. It's is Ben Bishop.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Who also got ridiculously paid for a long time. Yeah. And might still getting ridiculously paid. I'm not sure. Where is Ben Bishop <laughs> now?
2: And Bishop, oh, just like Francois was hurt the whole year, um, I have no idea what his uh, his playing status is for next year.
1: Yeah, I was going to uh, say he didn't he didn't play at all this year. Yeah. Um, so you know, five million well spent.
0: Yeah. Um. And and uh, Deuces Fields in the chat. Um. Before I move on here, um. Asked about uh, shipping Kadri maybe in a package to try and get uh, Kachuk. Hmm. And I thought that That'd was a good show
1: I, I do I do like as Kevin said, you know, Colorado's very nasty. I do like their team. I we kind of alluded to this last week, but they're a team where I think they need to do nothing because they they just so happen. I mean, really the Golden Knights Avalanche series, it came down to who was better at the right time. And that's not to say that's not to say the better team overall won, but the better team at that given moment won. So I don't think Colorado needs to do a whole lot to prepare for next season but that said I don't think some and I hate to even use this word but some sandpaper that can also contribute offensively I think that could be a lot for them (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's not suspended
0: no exactly I
1: I think that would be because I mean Kachuk is good for 70 points but he you know he he plays he he gets very very close to the line but never goes over it and you know I, I think it could be a hypothetically a very good pickup for them
0: of all the goalies that have the UFA tag beside them, um, which one would, is there any that you would particularly go after if you were Doug Wilson uh, this summer provided they buy out Martin Jones?
2: Well, to me, Grubauer is at the top of the list. Um, so I think you just start your, start with him and work your way down. But um and funny enough since since you brought up the Bobrovsky thing the Bobrovsky thing um, <laughs> on a team like the Sharks I think Grubauer would absolutely be a Bobrovsky type goalie yeah. um, so it, it depends on what, what team he lands on really um, but uh, you know it's kind of like Dougie Hamilton how I say like he played his best best years with carolina i think Gruber has played his best years with colorado and 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 i would hope i don't know from from the sense of if if colorado is able to retain him i would hope that he would recognize that's the team that was willing to give him a chance to be the number one goalie not yeah. any of the other teams it wasn't washington it was nope. colorado who gave him the chance before colorado uh, started their Ascension or right at the start of their Ascension. So um, Colorado, you, you talked about McKinnon being faithful to the organization. Lannis Cog, I, I think you're you're spot on. I think he's a Colorado lifer. I cannot see him playing for any other team. Um, and, and so, you know, if, if you have that kind of uh, good locker room cohesion – Maybe Grubauer does the same thing. Maybe he realizes, you know, I want to get paid, but I also want to win. Because if you win, you get paid even more. Yeah. So so uh, that that the temptation will be there for him for a lot of markets. I'm sure Edmonton's going to throw a ton of money at him. I'm sure Tor- Toronto's going to throw a ton of money at him. And I'm sure the Sharks are going to throw a ton of money that they don't even have at him. Because why the hell not?
0: But. Yeah, I think the play like my play would probably be Peter Mrazek because for the I, Sharks. I, yes, for the Sharks because yeah. I feel like that he's a guy who can play. He can you know he you can kind of ride him because I think it's going to be whoever they sign and, and Kozenash are going to be the goalies next year uh, for the for the big club and Melnichuk's going to play his heart out in the HL hopefully and you know, come along. Um, but I, it, cause it goes back to kind of something I've said all along. Goaltending's not a problem you have to solve next year. So Peter Mrazek on a two year deal, great stopgap till you figure out what you're doing or which direction you're going. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, he's a guy that can play enough, but enough, but you can still get Kozenos the, the starts, um, to keep him, Done, you know keep him progressing as well because I, I i feel like i don't think like i'm not a huge like i'm not huge on kozenash but i feel like he's good enough to be a backup in the nhl like do i think he's the goalie of the future no but is he just gonna steal starts from Melichuk in the ahl yeah and we don't want that Melnichuk he's needs to enough. get starts
2: to be in that stopgap role with Mrazek or whoever, and yeah. not embarrass himself. No,
0: exactly. Yeah, and I think that's you know, like, am I expecting you know, is this Josef Kozanash's net at some point? No, but he's good enough to back up. He's, I feel like he's done enough in the AHL that he's done his time.
2: And, and since I mentioned Zane McIntyre and Swayman earlier, you know, that's another that's another reason to be a little guarded on Jeremy Swayman for Boston is a couple years ago, I kept having to, like, you know, there'd be comments in our chat or on Twitter or whatever saying, just trade Jones and Dell now and make Kojan Ash the (laughs) number one goalie uh, for the Sharks, Uh, you know, and and I kept saying, like, settle down there, Tiger, and then he was atrocious the next year, and it's like, this is why the Sharks didn't go with that plan. Uh, He's got some upside, but let's... Let's take it for what it is right now. If, um, if but I think I think, can... think Ash can be there and be if... fine. And, you know, Nabokov, he was a guy who was supposed to just be there. Yep. He took the ball and ran with it. So that's what you hope a guy like Koz Ash would do.
1: So you mentioned Swayman. I was going to say this earlier, but then we moved on, and I was like, eh, whatever. But then you mentioned it again. So... I, I think when you compare Swayman, you're comparing him to Kojinesh, you're comparing him to Zane McIntyre. I think those are those are absolutely fair comparisons, I would say. You're not going to hear an argument from me there. But, and
2: you can yell... small Swayman, Swayman is more upside than Kojinesh. What,
1: right, but I, you can yell small sample size at me all you want. But Swayman has found very little, but has found success in the NHL. That's right. not something that McIntyre or Kojinesh...
2: Right, do. right.
0: Nope, for sure. On. Okay, so I'm gonna do some. We're gonna do some rapid fire here. So I'm just gonna tell you the the headline, and you guys are gonna give me whatever comes to your head really quickly, and then we're gonna move on as quickly as it happens. Uh, Carl Gunnarsson retires. I was kind of shocked to see him go because he's not that old. Like he's like what 33.
2: I think he's older than that. Is he? I know that he uh, really over the last couple of years really 34. had his minutes. Um, 34. But- there you go. Okay, 34. I know he had his minutes cut. And and the year that they won the cup, he was scratch. Healthy scratched for a lot of that that regular season at least. Mm -hmm. So then then the Blues kind of figured out maybe they should actually use him in the playoffs. He's kind of useful. Um, But I think just at that point that started the the downturn on his career. So I wasn't really that surprised. But happy trails to Carl.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Anything else? Go
2: ahead. You know.
1: Solid, you know, bottom six guy. He can jump up in the top four if you have an injury. But I don't know. I and and Kevin's really big on been on this, but maybe he's just one of those guys who took a step back during the pandemic shutdown and kind of thought, you know what, I, I I like being at home. Yeah, fair. And he's got his cup. So
2: yeah, right.
0: All right, uh, JT Brown retires uh, and is going to be on the Kraken television team with John Forsland who I think that's going to be a great team. Like, um, I mean, I've never... It, it's always interesting when you get, like, a guy to go into the booth. Um, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he adapts to it, but he seems well-spoken enough. Like, anytime I've ever heard JT Brown speak, like, he speaks... He seems well-spoken enough that I feel like that's going to be an interesting television team, and it might be one of, like, I, I don't often switch to, like, the alternate feed for Sharks games. Like, even as much as the Sharks feed has really annoyed me this year, I, it's still, like, I ain't listening to the Ducks feed, right? Um, but Seattle's might be one of the ones where I go, ah, let's see what's going on on the other side.
1: So here's the thing is, and, and I know JT Brown, I, he actually has experience, I believe, um, you know, during the pandemic and then I think even before the two, I believe he dabbled in... Like streaming video games on Twitch, and obviously, right. obviously a very different um, profession than calling hockey in a live capacity. But I think that level of public speaking that you you gain from from live streaming on Twitch, I think that'll absolutely help him in a transition to a broadcasting role. And you know, something I've always said is is I I will literally not watch it watch a team's game. If their commentators are atrocious to listen, listen to. And I I really feel like that team, John Forslund and JT Brown, I think it could be a good team. I don't think I'll ever switch the feed as Ian is saying. But you know what? If if push came to shove, I don't think it would be the end of the world.
0: If we're having a a game where we're talking about nothing but like Tahoe, I'm switching the feed.
1: Well, you know, it's been it's been you know in five years when the Sharks have still not made the playoffs, but they're showing the Game Seven highlight package again. That's the time to think about they, it. Th- that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Kevin, anything you want to add to that?
2: Not not particularly. Just that you know, J T. Brown um, has been a, a key figure in the. Uh, the hunt for equality i guess you'd say in mm-hmm. hockey and and the the thing that has worked against him i think unfortunately is just the fact that a lot of people just don't know who jt brown is even though jt brown ha- played many good years in the bottom six for the tampa bay lightning and i i actually really like liked watching him as a player um but still when you're you talk about like matt dumba and evander kane and jt brown and you go right oh? You know, but I think this is going to give him a a platform to be, you know, to be noticeable and and prove that hockey is trying to move towards uh, a more equal um, standing and um, and, you know, Like you said, he's got a personality. Mm -hmm. Um, The few times I have watched him on, seen him on TV, I thought he's been very astute in his commentary and, you know, his studio commentary. And so I think he's going to get it done. And with John Forslund teaching him the the ropes of uh, broadcasting, I mean, there's not many better who can teach him that. So I think it's, I think it's a solid move.
0: Okay so Seattle Kraken uh hired their head coach they got Dave Hakstol which was I think a kind of a surprise to me anyway um it seemed like Everyone thought that Tockett was going to be married to that job uh, Just for some background on Haxtell, he uh, coached North Dakota From the 2004 To the 14-15 uh, season Won a national championship by the time he was there um, Obviously got hired By the Flyers in 15-16 Coached four years with a 134-101-42 With two playoff runs Ending in the first round um, I'll go first here I think it's it's an interesting hire And I do I don't like the coaching carousel. I've never been a big coaching carousel guy, but I feel like I'm more, I get more annoyed when it's a guy that's been like, you know, who's coaching his fourth or fifth team. Like I don't mind another, a, a guy getting another kick at the can. Um and I feel like Dave Haxtell has the pedigree where hopefully he learned something from his time in Philadelphia and also um being a, an assistant in Toronto and I'm curious to see what he does. Is would it be the guy that I would have hired as Seattle? Probably not. That surprised me, but I don't think it's the worst hire.
1: I I do agree with you. I don't I don't have a problem seeing a guy get another chance, but I think and and the Kraken have done very little wrong up to this point i don't get this at all um that's not to say i don't like dave hackstall but there are obviously better options i mean you mentioned i thought talk was a shoe in for the job Me too. i mean he inter- he interviewed i from what i understand at least 3 times with it um it was very surprising to say the least i almost kind of forgot that he existed to be honest with you but you know maybe i mean how many coaches do you hear of where they don't really show their colors as a good coach until their second job, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe this is another situation. I think if I were them, like I said, I would have gone with talk. I mean significantly worse lineup in Arizona than Haxtall had in Philadelphia. And about the same um the same results. So I, I think something that with talk it's always it's always been, you know, he can he gets every drop out of the lemon, right? And I think that would have been good for a Seattle team who, unfortunately, is going to live in the shadow of Vegas for their first few years. Yeah. Um, I I think would have talked. It would have been better, but I guess Hackstall is not the worst choice. I mean, it, it you know, at least he's an NHL coach. So I
2: don't know. I think that <clears throat> I think that while Dave Hackstall uh, made me raise my eyebrows. um, the pedigree that Ian spoke of, um, I, I think it. After what happened with the Flyers, because Flyer fans hate Dave Haxtall, whether it's warranted or not, they Flyer fans give him no ounce of respect whatsoever. But before he was the Flyers' head coach, he was like the hot c- coach that everyone wanted to bring in if you if you're, had a coaching vacancy, because he did so many amazing things with North Dakota. The Flyers were kind of, uh, I don't know if they were an aging club, but they weren't like the totally young club that they've been building these last couple of years, or last few years, anyway. Um, I I just want to add, like, that was an
0: overly patient Ron Hextall GMing that team as well.
2: Sure. Right. Oh, oh, absolutely on that. Um, Which is why I'm curious to see what happens in Pittsburgh with Hextall, but I digress. But with with uh, hackstall not Hextall, um, Hackstall has experience of coaching young players, having won what two national championships? One in North national Dakota. championship. So he's Seattle's probably, I would guess, go with a young roster. Um, so I I think that's that's a chance worth taking. Versus Rick Tockett talking about coaching carousel, that would be Rick Tockett's third NHL coaching stint if he had been hired with seattle and arizona definitely had a young roster i think talkett did fine for the coyotes but i don't think he i think he whelmed as we like to say um i think talkett might be best suited as an assistant coach uh for for a team and should he get another head coaching opportunity I, i think he's done enough to deserve that but Hackstall um, gets the second chance. And, I mean, if we weren't giving second chances, then Bruce Cassidy would be doing nothing in Boston right now because he was not a good coach for Washington, and he sure turned it around after a few years off. So um, we'll see what happens with Hackstall. But I do think the leash is short with Hackstall. Like, I don't expect Seattle to be, like, cup-contending team within two years thing – Um, But there might be the unfair comparisons with Seattle. And I think if uh, they don't get, you know, not top results, but good results with Haxtell after two years, I could see him being out
0: yeah seattle's like a team like where they didn't come out and you know bill they they don't have a bill fully saying we're gonna be a we're gonna win the cup in five years or six years or whatever he said it was <laughs> like we haven't heard anything from that from from uh seattle yet which is fine um rod brindamore like we said earlier got extended in carolina uh three years uh 1.8 million for a jack adams winner it's pretty low i think gerard gallant uh who's next uh is making decent bank i feel like we're we're past that. We're we're past this this six million dollar coach though. Like do you do we feel like we're probably out of there for now at least until revenue fixes itself?
1: Probably, but I and, and don't get me wrong, I like Rod Brindamore. I, I I did not expect him to go anywhere other than Carolina, but you know, and, and, and we talked about it earlier, but I think Tom Dundon, if he if he continues to operate the hurricanes, with a frugal mindset, I, 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 think, you know, I don't think I love the city is going to go as far as it did because I, Brindamore should be getting paid. I think definitely probably de- pro- I don't want to say triple, but close to triple what he's getting paid in Carolina. <laughs> I mean, he's a good coach. You talk about a guy who gets every drop out of the lemon. I mean, Look at their goaltending. Not exactly the most spectacular, but there's something about him as the coach. Everybody just comes together, and you know I think Tom Dunnan is really lucky that Rob Brindemore likes Carolina so much. But yeah, in three years, in three years, I don't think he can bank on that again.
0: Yeah, I, I mean it was nice to see to try and make sure that like his coaching staff got taken care of too. I mean that's, I mean Rob Brindemore all around stand up guy. Anything you want to add, Kev? Before I move on.
2: No, just, just the only thing is just, I love Rod Brindamore.
0: Yeah, no, he's great. Um, New York Rangers hired Gerard Gallant, which I think we all saw coming. Um, I know I I joked earlier about Tortorella going back because of the ownership, loving him so much. But I think Gerard Gallant, Gerard Gallant's a good coach because I feel like of the current coaches in the league, he's probably one of the better teachers. Like and New York has a really young team, so I feel like he's going to be a really good fit with with those young players because I feel like he is one of the better teachers in the league. I think you got guys that are really good X's and O guys, and some guys are really good teachers, and I think Jarred uh falls into the latter. Um, and I'm really interested to see what he does in New York, who should be like on the come up at this point. Like the Rangers, they're a team that needs to start moving their way up the up the standings in my opinion
2: yeah yeah definitely I think it's a great fit Um, I know I've said it before that I think that the Rangers have a roster built a lot like how Vegas's expansion roster was built and obviously Galant led them to great things Mm -hmm. Um, so I think Gallant's the perfect coach for the Rangers I, I think I think if he's not that might be it for Gerard Gallant. Like I think it, if he can't make it work with the Rangers, that might be the the swan song for Gallant as far as a, a credible uh, NHL head coach. So,
1: jerk. No, I I agree with Kevin. I li- I like the way he compared the Rangers' current roster to the Vegas Golden Knights in their inaugural season because I think it it's a really good comparison. I think the only difference being the Rangers obviously have a superstar in our team Yeah, Aaron. right. Um, but I mean, there are plenty of comparables. I mean, I, you know, I look at what Colin Blackwell that did this year and I am imme- I immediately flip back to Ryan Carpenter that year for Vegas. So I think it's an excellent comparison. I just think he's a really good coach. Like you said, I mean, he's a good teacher. You know, he he's good for not an underdog, but like I feel like he I feel like he just he he finds a way to get the job done. You know yeah. what I mean. He he knows how to adapt his style to whichever player he has. And yeah, I don't know. It's it Gallant is an interesting case because I feel like you know when he left Florida and he left Vegas. I feel like both of them were under kind of unfair circumstances. So. Like, I, w- I would hope just on, on a level of, like, you want somebody to succeed, I would hope that he is able to find success with the Rangers just because I think I think Kevin is correct in saying, you know, if, if he ends up losing his job in three years, I, I don't think he'll find another one.
0: Yeah, and you know what? With I think the only two vacancies right now are going to be, I think, Buffalo and Arizona, and I don't think either of those guys are going after, like, a big coach. So, so if think I'm
2: Tortorella would be perfect for Buffalo. Yeah.
0: I just, I, I just can't see, I don't know. I mean, maybe you never know what the pool is are going to do, but I, I, I think the the point I was going to make there is going into next season. I do not want to be a coach that stumbles out of the gate. Cause if I do, I'm probably keeping some things packed because there's going to be some big coaches that are going to be looking for, <laughs> that are going to be looking for a job and they're going to get called really quick by a panicking GM of things go off the rails for a team at the start. Um, so um, obviously in the news, um, obviously Jack Eichel's been in the news lately. Um, you know, obviously there, there's rumors that they the Buffalo's going to try and move him before the draft. It seems like this whole thing is over. Obviously has the next surgery um, coming up um, before I get to the challenge that I made to you guys. we um, where, realistically, where do you think Jack Eichel ends up?
1: Dude, San Jose, obviously. Okay. Um, <laughs> no. Um, oh, man. Um, I mean, my they can say whatever the hell they want. I still think the LA Kings are sniffing around it.
2: Are, are the Ducks still doing their whole uh, limited cap thing? Or have they moved on from that? I think they've moved on.
1: I believe okay, they've moved because- on.
2: I think you got SoCal right, but the Ducks. I don't. I haven't put like a Ducks trade together to make it work, but that's that's kind of where I'm seeing. I mean, Minnesota seems still seems to me like the obvious place, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. I don't know. There's so
1: I I like
2: I like that you said
1: Anaheim because you're, you know, they there's talks about you know Henrik Silverberg Raquel up the door right and. Right. that's a way to right. pick that's a way to pick up assets for a blocks, trade
2: what 37 <laughs> yeah he and he's also a
1: pending unrestricted free agent though i don't think there's any danger of him going elsewhere um sure. and he's still effective so but no i think anaheim i think they've honestly got a a, a quite a handful of decent kind of middle six prospects that they could dangle to buffalo i mean Take your Troy Terry, Max Jones, Sam Steele, Max Comtois. I mean, pick one. You know, um, Isaac Lundström. So I liked that you said Anaheim. I think Minnesota makes a lot of sense considering we talked about two. Uh, you know, last month Minnesota got you know top six center work out of their four bottom six centers.
2: They <laughs> like that,
0: so...
1: yeah. Ryan Hartman,
2: <laughs> that second line center. That's not even yeah. a center.
1: And I know. <laughs> I know that it's kind of like the joke, right? And and we all roll our eyes when we hear it, but if they can get it done, I uh, I I see Vegas being a player.
2: You know what though? I I I do see Vegas being a player in this. That annoys me. It
1: annoys me too, but
2: you know, <laughs> the truth sucks, right?
0: Because, yeah, no, but because you're because it's funny though, because like I, I was talking about this when we did this show after the Golden Knights got eliminated by the Canadians, and like the, all the talk on Twitter that day was just Vegas fans being like, yeah, we might lose. We're just going to get Jack Eichel and everything's going to be fine. Like, like, god damn you people. Like, you don't yeah, get everything you want. That.
2: That's what happened with Petrangelo. And I know.
0: I know. They, they just tell that team. Um, I think Vegas is an interesting one. I just I don't know how they make that cap work. That's the one big question there. Like they're going to have to do some serious moves or are they just going to play with with, you know, with 12 forwards next year? I don't know. (laughs) You know, just to stay cap compliant. Um, Sleepy in the chat saying Dallas. Dallas is an interesting one. I haven't even considered. Um, but I feel like they have the assets. I, I feel like the, the obvious ones to me would either be the Rangers, but do you really want to move Jack Eichel within Like not, obviously not in the division, but in, still in the conference, especially to the Rangers, in the, in the state, in the state, I know. I mean, I know they're not in the same division, but I, but if you're like, if you're the Rangers or the Kings, like, I mean, those are the teams to me that make the most sense because that just completely jump starts. like the kings are going to be scary soon not next year you add jack eichel to that team maybe there's the kings are actually scary next year like you can jump start yourself forward pretty significantly and you have the pieces you can you have the pieces to lose the way. and well, not
1: only that not only that but any team you know kopitar goes out there and it's like okay we got to send our top line out there and then Coming over the boards, is Jack Eichel, and it's like shit. Who do we put out there now?
0: Right. <laughs> I mean, they have the teams. Anaheim makes sense. They have a lot of pieces too. I think Anaheim's on the come up as well. I think they're a little bit behind LA still. Oh yeah. Uh, as far as uh, as far as their rise, but I don't think they're far behind LA. I feel like LA's going to come up, and the Anaheim's going to be right behind them. Um, they're a All good right. one. Rob in the chat saying Chicago, and Chicago is an interesting one because. I feel like again, there's a team that probably has pieces to do it. Probably makes sense for them, but I just the cap situation there is a mess.
2: And and I'm still curious to hear an update on Jonathan Taves. Yeah, because we haven't heard at all about. You know, he he sat out the whole year, um, and there's no indication yet that he's playing next year. There's no indication he's not, but there's just nothing at all on the front. So if they don't have Jonathan Taves, I mean that might they might not find out until Eichel is well, you know, long gone at that point. But um, if for some reason this drags out deep into August, um, and they find out Taves is not coming back for the first part of the season at least. Chicago could definitely be a player in on that. I don't Ike. want
0: to see Eichel and it No, God, that's disgusting. I was,
2: was going to say that. Well, that's okay Eichel... because you'll see Eichel and Kane. In
1: right, yeah, no, exactly. Oh, God. I was going to say, like, whoever, Kane, DeBrinkit, Kubelik, like, anybody. You put, ugh. Ugh, nasty. <laughs> but, but to your, to your point, um, I believe you said it was Rob who said it, where mm-hmm. it's like, I think Chicago has the pieces as well to kind of make that happen. I mean, they've been... You know, they've been accumulating quite a quite a few um young players lately. I mean, you know, they've got Ian Mitchell, you know, Nick mm-hmm. Bodan, Bachfist. I mean, and that's just on defense, you know, they could I mean I Kubalik, Pew Suter, I mean these are all guys that they could easily I read Kirby Dog, like mm-hmm. which I would not I would not no. do that, but it's an no. option. You know what I mean? So if if we're ranking this based on the teams that, you know, have the you know, have the pieces to pay the price. I I think should you put Chicago there with L. A. Anaheim, Minnesota, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a good call. Um, and especially if Jonathan
1: Taves, especially if Jonathan Taves finds himself on long-term injury reserve, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But will he um, come yeah, back I lost, for the playoffs? I lost my
2: train of thought on that one. <laughs>
0: All right, um, so I laid down a challenge uh, when I did the show notes um, because obviously, look it, everyone knows that Jack Eichel's actually going to come to San Jose because Doug Wilson does Doug Wilson things. So I challenge you guys to make your best Jack Eichel trade. Who wants to go first?
2: Okay. So this I, it, it comes back to my train of thought okay. in relation to this. So the asking price that Kevin Adams is rumored to have right now is a, a first-round pick two top prospects, and two middle six NHL forwards. So right now, I don't see anyone trading that. So I think all of our, our, our discussions about, like, Chicago, L.A., Rangers, Anaheim, I think it's all uh, on a more um, feasible trade. Right, like in a, in a, in a
0: bubble where, let's pretend this is in a bubble where, you know, like, ignoring that obviously there's a lot of teams that have way more to offer the Buffalo Sabres than the Sharks do. Right. So we're we're going to do this in a bubble for sure.
2: So so that's where I do have a question about your your challenge Ian and this mm-hmm. will help for the audience to understand this. Um is this just the the trade offer that we would make if we were Sharks GM or what do you, or, or do you think it's something that Kevin Adams would would accept how how are we playing this all I
0: would say make your best trade with sharks pieces and you know take that your best be swing yeah okay yeah.
2: all right jerk go first <laughs> oh all right okay so
1: uh we have a trade um, <laughs> buffalo trades Jack Eichel and a 2023 7th why y- you think about it to the Sharks in exchange for Ryan Merkley, Ryan Donato, Tristan Robbins, a 2021 first, a 2021 fourth, and a 2022 second. Did I explain it. myself or would you like to chew on it?
0: Go ahead and explain.
1: Okay, so Ryan Merkley, because um, Buffalo's blue line is a crater and they could use a defenseman who has... Uh, high-end talent Ryan Donato because it seems very obvious the Sharks are not going to use him so might as well add him to some kind of deal um Tristan Robbins just because I think he's a young forward who could be really attractive for Buffalo I mean (sighs) Buffalo is so they've just been a disaster like it's either you know okay we need prospects and then they get prospects that aren't very good and it's like okay we need NHL roster players and then they get NHL roster players who aren't very good so in this case I think they're getting a prospect who's actually a pretty solid prospect and you know the draft picks I mean draft picks are draft picks right they're magic beans but I think the first is important and I think the second is in a different year is is equally as important and then the fourth is just
2: kind of for fun
0: Fair enough. Kevin, do you want to go or do you want me to go?
2: We'll go now. All right. Okay. So my trade is definitely different. Oh. Um, so it does involve the first round pick. It also involves the third round pick the Sharks have, which I think, funny enough, is Buffalo's, if, if I'm not mistaken. I I know Buffalo has a pick, or we have one of Buffalo's picks somewhere. Um, so it's the first the third, and we're going to just throw in Ryan Donato because I think I actually think the Sharks are just going to let him walk after the season. So, too, you know, man. why not just include him in that? Include Jonathan Dolan, because he'll be gone by November anyway. And we'll get to, <laughs> we'll get to that later in the show. Spoiler alert. A spoiler alert. And Timo Meyer.
0: Ooh. I think
2: it will take a top six NHL forward. Now I know not everyone loves Timo Meyer, although I think we all do, but yeah, it's spicy. Um, but I think that Buffalo, in order to take those futures and those questionable pieces like Donato and Dahl and that may fizzle out, um, they'll need something a little more bonafide. And I think it'll be Timo Meyer. So if, if the sharks were to make that trade, that's, that's who it will be.
1: And if I can jump in here really quick, I, you know that's that's something that i've kind of chewed on you know doing technologists and then obviously anytime that we've talked off air on air whatever but moving meyer is is something i've kind of chewed on and i've made the point like okay the sharks and and i know i already know there's haters out there but i'm not listening to them and you know they've they've hitched their wagon to kevin LeBanc, and i think that's absolutely fine of them to do i think lebanque is a I think he's an underrated player. I think people unfairly dump all over him. But, you know, you you want to make room for Balsers. You want to make room for Barabanov. You want to make room... You know, if you keep Donato, you want to have room for him. But I don't think he's being kept. But then all these guys where it's like... As much of an elite talent as Timo Meyer is, if you want to make room for all these other guys, some domino has to fall. Yeah. Fair enough.
0: All right, so here's my trade. Now... I will say that there is a caveat that I would have to get around a no-trade clause. Uh,
2: All right. s- I, I had one like that, too, but I didn't go that route, so I'm curious to hear what you have to say because...
0: My Jack Eichel trade is the Sharks trade A1, Hertel, a one Tomash Hurdle, a 2021 first-round pick, which is seventh overall, a 2022 second-round pick Ryan Merkley, Tristan Robbins, it's Jack you're Eichel. Right.
2: That's you're very close right, that is... to, to jerks.
1: Yeah, but you're right. That is very stomach-turning. <laughs> Isn't it?
0: But here's the thing. it's For one, it's Jack Eichel. Now, obviously, you have to get Hurdle to, to waive his no trade. Um, and my method to be there would be like, dude, you're a UFA in a year anyway. Suck it up and go to Buffalo for a year. Like, you, you can't make him, but you could make life very uncomfortable for Tomáš Hurdle. The thing is, if you're bringing in Jack <laughs> Eichel... You're moving off from Tomash Hurdle anyway. Couture's here signed long term. Jack Eichel, so your centers are gonna be Jack Eichel, Logan Couture. Tomash Hurdle is no longer in the picture. He's he's out because he's way too expensive to keep around as a third center, a third line center. Like you you have to do better. You can't re sign you can't bring in Jack Eichel's ten million dollar contract and then give Hurdle another seven. Or even six. So obviously, if you're bringing in Jack Eichel, you need to move out of center. Tomas Hertl makes the most sense, unfortunately. Is uh, I, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say the same. The same justification I had for Timo Meyer applies to Hertl as well. I mean, I love Hurdle, hell of a player, but at the end of the day, are you going to want to pay him couture money? The answer is no.
0: No. No, I mean, um, if if you're bringing in Jack Eichel, like, it just Hurdle makes the most sense. And now, obviously, look, you're going to have to... You don't have anything in the system. So that seventh overall pick has to go.
2: I'll, I'll tell you what. If I'm Kevin Adams, I would take your deal, Ian. Yeah, are you kidding me? Like, Hurdle... And uh, and a first and, and a crappy uh, top yeah. prospect. And like, I didn't say you... that by the way, but but <laughs> between you
1: and me, Kevin, we're obviously not going to tell Ian this because he's the GM here. But I would, <laughs> I would take Hurdle in seventh overall.
2: <laughs> like, honestly, I, I would too. I actually I, I actually played around with um, just Meyer and the first, uh, the seventh overall pick. Um, but to, to me, you just add a bunch of sweeteners like Donato and Dolan and whatever, you know, and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So
0: because, the reason yeah, I went the, 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 2021 first, obviously, cause you need, you need to send the seventh overall to get Jack. Eichel. Yeah. That's a thing. You're probably going to need another pick in there. The 2022 you, you're not trading your 2022 for, for over first overall pick just in case, because if you bomb out and you're in the lottery again, that's Shane, right. And you are not giving up your chance at Shane Wright to get Jack Eichel. Yeah. So that's why I used the second round pick. Merkley, I thought I I bounced between Merkley and and and, Weisblatt and I used Merkley because he is the furthest along, he's the older of the two prospects. I don't think and then Tristan Robbins, I I, I really like Tristan Robbins, but you're not giving up Bortolo. It's so like Tristan Robbins, if you if you have to choose between Tristan Robbins and Bortolo, Tristan Robbins is the guy you send. So that that was the logic behind my trade because, again, I know I said we did this in a bubble, but if if the sharks are if the sharks were seriously going to make a push for Jack Eichel, and I don't think they are, but if they were, and you you know you do have other teams that have other stuff to give up, like to me, that's that's the disgusting package you give up for Jack Eichel because he's and Jack Eichel, thing, he's really good.
2: And the thing of it is, is that the Sharks roster whether we like it or not, the Sharks roster is still in a win now state. So you don't, you don't have Carlson and Burns and I'd say a Couture and Kane for sure. Still on this roster. If you're not trying to win now. And I mm-hmm. think that's the problem with why the Sharks are kind of just going around in circles right now and not going one way or another is they're really not poised to win now, but the players on the roster those types of players are there to try and win now. So you need to bring in a guy like Jack Eichel. Um, I do have a question for you guys, though. Did, mm-hmm. Do you have have you heard anything about like did Jack Eichel and Evander Kane ever get along in Buffalo? <laughs> I don't
1: know. There, well there there is a clip there is a clip on um, from a from a mic'd up video on the Sharks YouTube where Kane and
2: Eichel playfully chirped each other. So.
0: Oh yeah, about getting the C and how he should have I had know. the C the whole time. I yeah, they
2: hate each other based on. I that. think not enough is made about Eichel kind of being a diva throughout his whole career because he whined about not being first overall pick over Connor McDavid, which apparently he's the only one who believed he should be first overall over Connor McDavid. Uh, and then he whined about two of his coaches, um, and then he they whines injured. about his contract. Now he's injured with the yeah. neck injury. So I, don't know. As great of a player as Jack Eichel is, and I think we haven't seen the best out of Jack Eichel. No, like if he was no, in a different we situation, we would be talking about him right up there with like Austin Matthews. I still think know? though,
0: if you look at that team though, like his next, his neck is screwed up from dragging that team around on his back pretty much single handedly.
2: Fair. That's fair.
1: I don't know. I think it could be an <laughs> we're we're the tinfoil hat is on way too tight, right? But you know, you look at Jack Eichel and he's he's a center, but he's he's been one of those centers who I feel is more inclined to shoot, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it would make the most sense to put him with a winger who's more inclined to pass. Hello Kevin LeBanc. I think and not that this means anything, but I think from that perspective, I think it could be a fit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, to, just answering the chat. Like I, I honestly, I don't believe that the sharks are going to be a factor in Eichel. I just thought this would be a fun little thing that we could do because obviously, I mean, you go on sharks Twitter and there's still people go, Oh man, Doug Wilson really needs to get Jack Eichel. Well, okay, but it's going to hurt. <laughs> like, and I thought that this would be a good exercise to show how much it would hurt. Do I think Jack Eichel is going to be a shark next year? No. No, I don't. I I think there's much better teams, not better teams, but teams with far more to give to a team like Buffalo than the Sharks do. I
2: don't think it's going to cost Dylan Gambrell in a fourth.
0: No, no, you're not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. But I did. I shows. did like that. I I did like that. Um that uh jerk had the seventh round coming back so those are so that's that's important
1: yeah you gotta you gotta and it's gotta be in a year that's way far away that's just how it works
0: yeah yeah i mean i don't know what this team's gonna do next year but um we're on the Sharks, so let's talk a little more uh shark stuff obviously um the Sharks signed some players um i guess we can do this one at a time it doesn't really matter uh nicholas malosh one year two-way 750k guy right kevin guy
2: Probably a guy. He did um, really step forward here this year um, for the Barracuda. I thought he was very solid in the playoffs for for them. Um, and I thought that when he got hurt there uh, in that last game, that really that really hurt the, the, the team's chances of winning. Um, yeah, but uh, otherwise, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he, he's a guy. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I, uh, you know, I still welcome his father to like the, my tweets about him. Absolutely. So, um, mm-hmm. Bonjour.
0: Uh, yeah, you should I, go ahead, Jerk.
1: With, with Maloche and and with.
0: Did I say um, it wrong? I'm sorry.
1: With 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 Jeff Vl as well. I look at this as like, oh, you're an RFA. Okay, enjoy your you know enjoy your league minimum contract, and we'll we'll see in September. But yeah. To Kevin's point decent player. Malosh, very important to the Barracuda. I mean, you need guys like that around. That's... Absolutely. The one thing that always kills me, right, about (laughs) certain individuals who have opinions on the team is, you know, they'll say well, you know, this guy only tops out as a sixth defenseman and it's like, well, last I checked you need a sixth defenseman, so sign one.
2: I always talk about you need to have a winning culture in your farm system, in my opinion, before you can win with the big club. So even if Nick molosh turns out to just be a decent AHL player, he might be the perfect complementary like, defenseman to pair with a future NHL defenseman. You never know. I mean... That's why Jacob Magna, clearly not going to be an NHL defenseman, but they put him with Ryan Merkley to help him with his game. Like, Absolutely. You need to have players who can help elevate other players. So maybe Nicholas Malosh is like that. Maybe Nicholas Malosh is the seventh defenseman next year for the Sharks. But in any event, there's no harm in, in uh, re-signing him because he definitely took a step forward in, this year, and that's all the Sharks really needed out of him.
0: Yeah, uh, and Jerk brought up uh, Jeff Vial, two years, two-way contract. I don't mind this signing at all. I mean, if you had to pick between him and another guy that might be named Curtis Gabriel, I would rather you dress (laughs) Vial. I thought Vial did a lot of the same things. I don't think either of them are particularly good players per se, but I I thought Vial did his job a lot more quietly than Curtis Gabriel did. And I'm not saying like... I mean, on the ice, right? Like there was there was no shenanigans when Vial was on the ice. he He came in, he did his job and and he was fine, right? Like I've always said this. Like Curtis Gabriel seems like a guy you would absolutely want to grab a beer with, but yeah, he's but, not, you know, like he seems like he seems like a really cool guy. He's just not a very good hockey player. And well, with some of the stunts that he pulled, like, I was happy when Vial came in and kind of put an end to that.
1: I was going to say, bringing VL back to me means Curtis Gabriel um, has been thrown overboard, which I think is addition by subtraction. Um, So it's a good move on that basis alone. But, you know, I thought, and again, same thing. You know, maybe Jeff VL only tops out to be a fourth-line winger. Well, you still need those. So, again, why the hell not? Especially if it's a two-way contract, under a million dollars. I'm totally cool with
2: it. He's a good locker room guy. You need guys like that. You need guys like Rob Davison, Mark Smith, you know, stuff like that. I mean I, I don't think Fiel's gonna be anything more than a guy, but he's he does have some qualities there in the locker room and, and on ice and he's willing to go and do anything that his coach asks him to do. So I you know, our our running gag with the Barracuda is attaboy, Jeff! Mm-hmm. And oh you know what? I say that like Every time I watch him on the ice, cause he at least does something good on the ice nearly every time. So main, main, you know, the little things.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I agree with that too. Like, I think he's a guy who also was, you know, um, who is very, his leadership skills when he was in junior were, were very touted. Um, you know, a lot of guys would say how good of a leader he was in that, uh, on, was it active? Was it that activity Bathurst? Was he on Titan? So I think sure. won a the Memorial cup.
2: He, he, he capped in a Memorial Cup He, he did, yeah.
0: He, ca- he camped at a Memorial Cup champion. I'm trying to remember the name. But, again, like, uh, I think it was Hackney Bathurst, but I could be wrong. Um, I mean, if
2: that sounds right. I'm trying to pull it up. But,
0: but yeah, again, like, just, uh, you know, a guy who it was, it is, is a guy who you want. Like, again, if you get sent down to the Barracuda, he's a guy that's going to be He's gonna. He's not gonna go down there and sulk. You know. He's gonna go down there and do the same leadership qualities as he would up in the NHL. And I, I you know, again, I do, do. I think he's the greatest player. No, but he's a guy who can come in. He can play ten minutes and not get you into too much trouble.
1: Well, and, and, uh, you, and, and you know what? Sorry, Kevin. Um, I, as much as I think it's kind of a BS point to make, the fact that he's had an A on his sweater. The last three seasons with the or two seasons, excuse me, with the Barracuda. I I think that speaks volume to what you're talking about, Ian. I think he's just a yeah. you know mm-hmm. good guy to have around. You know, maybe he's he's not going to razzle dazzle you on the score sheet, but you know, like Kevin said, he's good in the room. He's a glue guy. You know, he does what he needs to do, and and, and that's it.
2: I I I think back to the photo of Nikolai Kanishov scoring his. Uh... I can't remember if it was his first or his second NHL goal in the background is Jeff Vl's the biggest grin out of anyone. He's so happy for his teammate. And I'm like on a, on a season there, all we heard about was our locker room is cancerous and all right. these guys have no cohesion. And I'm like, Jeff Vl is the antithesis of that. Like, just look at him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy for him to get uh, a contact contract renewal and no matter what level he's on
0: all right so um matt nieto two years uh 850k aav um i was kind of surprised i thought like nieto might get a little bit more um obviously the sharks have to sign some players so that they can expose some players and i think matt nieto is absolutely a guy that they signed to expose um they they need to sign one more guy if they're going to protect all the money they need to sign one more guy um, which I believe they—that that is the route the Sharks are going to go. I don't think they're going to dangle uh, a Kevin LeBanc or a Timo Meyer or a Brent Burns. Like, I think all those guys are getting protected. Um, so they will have to sign another forward. But, uh, yeah, Matt Nieto, if he doesn't go to Seattle, I mean, that's not a terrible deal for Matt Nieto for two years.
1: Good speed, good penalty killer. I mean, runs for Pete, fourth-line guy. You need those guys, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know... You just look at the stats. I mean, the Sharks' penalty kill was noticeably different when Nieto got hurt. And, you know, the thing that I quite like about Matt Nieto is he finally, you know, the coaching staff and the GM and himself, you know, they finally know know his role. You know, there's no no more delusions of him being a second-line winger with Couture. Like, that's long gone. And he just shows up. He He plays his game. You know, he's fast, which I think is important on the fourth line kills penalties and he'll throw a hit, you know, it's a good guy to have. And by all accounts good locker room guy as well.
0: He can and he he can pinch on your third line too. Like he's he doesn't have to be a fourth line. He can absolutely pitch in on a on a on a skilled third line.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and with Matt Nieto, I mean he's a guy the organization is known for, for ages. Um he is beloved by his teammates. Um, He has figured out how to be a bottom six forward instead of a top six forward. So I thought uh, he was actually quite effective. In fact, I thought he was one of the most effective Sharks when he was in the lineup. And, and again, that doesn't mean he's scoring goals left and right. It's just he's going out and doing what he's asked to do. Um, and I, I thought Nieto was, was very good. So... With you know, my feeling is that Dylan Gambrell is the Sharks' uh, expansion casualty. So if that's true, then Nieto uh, kind of fills in fills in some of those those qualities lost, especially on the defensive side um, and the penalty killing. Um, so you know, it, it, that limits Gambrell's loss or Hey, maybe Nieto's the guy who ends up getting taken or maybe Nieto is the, um, the red herring in the expansion draft, you know, like they're, they're, they're dangling him out there to try and take eyes off some other player who's not Gambrell. And I, I, don't, I don't know who else it would be like Malser Balsers, I guess. Yeah. I have Balsers protected, but, um, you know, I, I I see no problem with Nieto. The two-year contract, I was a little surprised about that, but um, you know, good for him. but even if he's
0: around for two years, like I don't have an issue with that. Like at that money, I don't either. I'm fine with and, Matt Nieto at 850. And 80.
2: hey, hey, you know the Sharks haven't um, had any problem if if he ends up bombing out here in two years. The Sharks have had no problem in the past of just waving Matt Nieto. Right? That's true.
0: <laughs> that is absolutely true. Um, all think- right. Oh, go ahead. Real
2: quick
1: on real quick on Matt Nieto, mm-hmm. I I I thought about it some more after what you guys were saying, and you know I the more I think about it, I am kind of surprised that he didn't get a little bit more money. Like I think eight I think eight hundred fifty thousand for him I think is a bargain. Right? Oh, I and think
0: so too. Yeah, it's good. It's a good deal. And, that's,
1: and that and that's not to say that that's not to say that he should be paid like Lebanc or anything. But you know I I kind of scroll through. You know, if you want to keep it from a Sharks perspective, like a little bit over what what the bear banoff contract is, I think that would have been absolutely
2: fair.
0: You would think he was a restricted free agent, bear,
2: but I think that's why there's the second year there. And you also have to wonder how many contract offers did Matt Nieto get from other teams last offseason? Because if he wasn't getting a whole lot of hits, he might have been willing to say, hey, as long as I get those two years and I know that I'm getting NHL money he will take a little bit less to have that job security. I mean, oh, again, yeah. I'm thinking theoretical, but
1: you're you're right though, Kevin. I mean, it does it does paint an interesting picture when you take league minimum from the team that gave you away for free a couple years ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and just a, another thing on that too was I, I was honestly I thought Nieto would be a guy that they would not like they would wait till after the expansion draft to extend. Um because Again, like if he gets taken and he doesn't sign in Seattle, I mean, obviously the risk would be like Seattle takes him anyway and he signs there. But I thought that I I didn't think he was going to be a guy that they would dangle. Um, I mean, not that like Matt Nieto, like losing Matt Nieto would be the end of the world, but I thought he was valuable enough to the team that I was kind of surprised they didn't um, wait to extend until after the expansion draft to just... Kind of detour that. I
2: was the same way, and I even tweeted that. But then once it was pointed out, or I was reminded about the, you have to have two contracts, like valid contracts for players.
0: Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, the big, the main event, Jonathan Dolan is coming after our show last week. He ended up signing a deal, um, one year, one way, uh, seven hundred and fifty k deal. Um he has a European oak clause because of course he does. Um, <laughs> so I guess the question is, now that we know he's coming, um how excited are you and uh how confident are you that this is that he will be here at the end of the season?
1: Man. I mean it's uh it's a pretty spicy meatball, there's no lying there. Um I mean I'm I'm excited at the um at the potential, right? Like mm-hmm. I mean, you look at what he's done in the the second tier league um in Sweden and the very limited AHL games he did play, he was decent, right? So I, I I'm excited at the at the potential, I guess. Um but just kind of the the path that he's taken to get to to this point has me has me a little bit um concerned, you know, I <laughs> I don't want to say Noah Road two but I kind of I kind of do wonder about that because I mean we've been over his history before. It was you know NHL or Sweden, and then he goes to Sweden, and then NHL is dangled, and he stays right, mm-hmm. and then now you know Tamura is in the SHL, so that's an option. Uh, it's definitely it is a ri- it's a calculated risk, but I think it could it could be a big reward. So. I, whatever happens, I don't think, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. And if it does work out, I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a gamble from Doug Wilson. That's how I look at it.
2: I think it's a move the sharks had to make because you I have also agree. Player, you have this player's rights and unless you're planning on moving him, what else are you going to do? Um, the sharks are not in the position of power. Like they were when Dolan left. Um, so they have the roster space it seems to be able to give him a one way contract do I think it's going to work out I'll say right now no I do not I have zero confidence in this working out whatsoever uh, do I think Dolan has the talent to do it yes I do it's just the the attitude thing and and I think that the only way that Jonathan Dolan finishes out the season with the Sharks is if he lights it up the way Barabanov did at the end of last season because i think even if jonathan Dolan uh contributes enough like how Ru- rudy balsers was was good he didn't like overwhelm anyone but he was serviceable i think even at serviceable jonathan dollin would consider hey you know what send me back home like i i think it's to that point so i again i think it's worth it for the sharks they finally convinced him to come over on a guaranteed contract. And it's thankfully only league minimum. But I don't think he's got what it takes to to, to finish out the year. Finish well, out the contract.
1: And something else that I just, I kind of mentioned it before, right? But you're trying to find, you're trying to find space for all these guys. And I think, and, and some folks are in the chat are kind of saying, you know, why does Doug Wilson, why is Doug Wilson so hyper-focused on a third-line center? Well... If the lines are put together the way it ended last year, I mean, you're going to have, you know, as your wingers, you know, Kane Barabanov, you've got Myron LeBanc, Balser's an option. If Dolan finds his way on the third line and his center is Joel Shellman. That's not good. He,
2: yeah, no, exactly. And he might, he might do fine, but I don't think that's enough to convince him to, to not go up to Wilson and say, send me back home.
1: That's what I'm saying. And it's like I think with with Dalin, it's basically you gotta put him with Couture and Meyer, or you put him with Kane and Hurdle, or find a third center. Not Chris Tierney, but somebody like Chris Tierney. And get him with a third center that's actually can move the puck, you know? So
0: Yeah, I feel like if this is going to work, like, I feel like if he is still here, I like AJ, AJ, I think in the chat has it. If he's still here by Thanksgiving, then I feel like he's here for the long haul. But I feel like before Thanksgiving, like if Thanksgiving is kind of where, you know, it's like, I will breathe the sigh of relief that it's worked out if he's still here after after Thanksgiving. American Thanksgiving for those and asking. That's which.
2: Why earlier in the show, I said, I don't see him being here in November.
0: Yeah. Because
2: um, I do think Thanksgiving's a good, good media, uh, you know, uh, benchmark. benchmark. I, I, I feel
0: like I, I think he's going to get every chance to succeed. I, I truly believe that. Um, I, I think a lot of it's going to be on him. Like, obviously it's a one way deal. So, you know he look at he, he was he was never going to the barracuda like even if he didn't have the european out clause like they would probably have just have terminated his contract and sent him home yeah. um i think the european out clause is smart because it allows them to he can go home and they can still retain his rights um which i don't know how long he's a restricted free agent for like i feel like he's coming out of it soon like he's going to be a group um what is it? Group well, he six hasn't or
2: enough, um, He hasn't played enough games in North America, though, so yeah. I don't think he meet meet Group Six eligibility.
1: Yeah, hmm. he'll be as it stands right now. He's going to be an RFA at the end of the year, but you know, you I mean, and and that's the nice thing about cap friendly is they're really good at tracking status changes. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, it, it, it's something to keep an eye on. But as it stands right now, you know, he at season's end next year he would be an RFA. Uh, with no arbiter, we know how that is. Um, yeah,
0: I, I mean, I'm not like... So, he's a guy... Dolan, to me, he's not a guy like... I hope it works out. He, I'm not rooting against him by any stretch. Sure, yeah. I don't think anyone here is rooting against him. I hope it oh. works. I hope that it gives the Sharks another thing. But he's going to have to fight. There's a lot of wingers on this team next year. It's the mm-hmm. this, the center that's the, the question mark. There's He's going to have to fight some guys for ice time on the wings. Um, I mean, I hope he works out. He has... The talent's there, and I. no one's ever doubted this guy's talent, and that I think that's the thing. It's just, you know, is he going to get along with Bob Boogner? That'll be interesting because we know Bob Boogner loves kids, um, you know, he's, and he's super Bob Boogner. One thing I can say about Bob Boogner is if you make a mistake as a kid, you know, he's really forgiving. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, and I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic too. But and I feel like he's going to get everything. And I, and I agree with what you guys said earlier. Like, this is something the Sharks had to do. This was a move they had to make. You have to, it was, it's time to see what you got here. Um, you know, he did his thing over, got his team over into the SHL. It'd be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I hope it works out. I'm just not confident that it will work out.
2: Um, and, and I think that's about- the problem. The Bugner aspect, um, let's make no bones about it. This is not a two-way forward that we are speaking of. This is
0: this is yeah an
2: all-offensive forward. So don't even think about, well, maybe he could be a penalty killer or something like that. No, no. no. There have been a lot of concerns about his inability to back-check even at uh, the Alstenskin. So, uh, yeah, he Boogner's going to be uh, right on his ass if he's not doing what he needs to do.
0: Where do you slot cool. him in? Do you think he's... He, is this guy a second or... Th- do you think second or... Th- I think he's going to get a chance to play on the second line, but he'll find himself on the third really quickly if yep. he doesn't uh Yeah, yeah excel. I would
1: agree with that. I think... Going to what Kevin's saying, though, you know, obviously, yeah, Dolan's not really known for his fact-checking, and, and I'm I'm borrowing a quote here, so this is not me who said this, but, like... With Dalen, this based on what we've seen from him elsewhere, right? I'm not, I'm not so much worried about his 200 foot game. I'm worried about his 80 foot game. Like if he's, you know, in the offensive zone, if he's terrorizing the opposing team on a nightly basis, you can kind of forget about you know the other 120 feet.
2: Right.
0: Um, he obviously gets protected in the expansion draft. I think we're all in agreement there. Yes. You don't bring yeah, him I over agree. to not I protect him.
2: To leave him before he signed. So. Yeah.
0: Yep. Okay, um, I just want to see if there's anything in the chat before we hit our last thing here. Um, <laughs> oh, I like Sleepy. <laughs> Who plays more games for the Sharks next year? Patrick Marlowe or Jonathan Dolan? <laughs> Ooh. God, I hope Dolan. Because I hope Marlowe plays yeah, none. Right. Even if it's one.
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't want to really get into it, but like... <laughs> is is Marlow as a fourth line option really that bad? Like if he shows up and he says I'm going to be on your fourth line wing and I'm going to do fourth line wing things and you're going to pay me like a fourth line winger I don't think that's the worst thing ever.
2: I do think it's the worst thing ever because it means <laughs> that uh, Noah Gregor had a bad training camp, it means that he yeah. had a bad training camp, it means that Ivan Shikovich had a bad training yeah, camp. Yeah, there's right? just there's That's it's it's,
0: it's it's time to move on in my opinion. Um I love Patrick Marlowe, don't get me wrong, but it's it's time to move on. And by the end of last year, I mean as long as Marlowe's here, he's gonna be an every night guy as he adds to his record. And I just know. No. I I no, I won't stand for it, damn it. True.
2: That's fair. Um
1: know, <laughs> Kevin, as soon as you said Noah Gregor, you had me, I was like, All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> And and
2: if Alex True doesn't uh doesn't get picked in the expansion draft, um, you know, he'd be another one that it's like, Oh man, it's it's now I, or never. I mean, you know, you you make a good point actually,
1: Kevin, about Alexander True, because you know, the Palm Springs talking... points. Yeah, I mean the Palm Springs Hockey Club, they're going to need players too.
2: Yeah, right. 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 And you can't you can, sure you can draft uh, 30 NHL players in the expansion draft, but you can only put 23 guys on a roster. So you can't just go out and get every NHL player, which is why I think Alex True is actually a viable option. If you're looking at the Sharks and going, that's a weak prospect pool, why not Alex True, a guy who might, you know, shine through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, so the last thing on the docket for this evening, um, Frank Cervelli, um now writing for, I guess, the Daily Faceoff or whatever. Um, he dropped kind of a bomb that I didn't see coming. Evander Kane, potentially on the trade block. Apparently, um, a lot of his teammates complained about him to Doug Wilson in exit interviews, which I didn't. I thought after everything, like, I'm not going to lie, with everything that happened with Kane, I thought he handled himself at least from what we saw on the ice, really well, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, this kind of took me a little bit by surprise. Now, obviously, we do know Evander Kane's reputation, so maybe maybe I'm naive for being caught off guard by this news, but I thought, all things considered, um, I thought Evander Kane had a really good year. Um, what say you on the possibility that um, the Sharks could be trying to, at least you know, considering moving Evander Kane because he has rubbed teammates the wrong way.
1: I guess it depends on where this team is going, right? Like if, and again, we've said, you know, the Sharks as they're currently constructed, they're probably not good off, to, good enough to be a playoff team, but they're built to fight for the playoffs. As Kevin mentioned earlier, you need a player like Evander Kane to do that, and so you know, I honestly feel like, like an odds on the player, but if you're going to Doug Wilson and you're complaining about the best player on your team from last year, I would say, I would tell you to beat it. Like, go away. Like you're, say what you want about Evander Kane. But like you said, Ian, he handled himself very well last year. All things considered. He cut out the shenanigans. He was very good on the ice in terms of offense um, and keeping his penalty minutes down. And, I I kind of said in our private chat as well, I feel like Evander Kane is one of a few Sharks players who would legitimately, like, is willing to die in that arena. And I can't say the same about everybody else on the roster. So I'm not saying that Frank Saravalli is wrong or he doesn't have merits to his point, but I think from the perspective of the players who are voicing their concerns in an exit interview, I feel like Kane is the wrong guy to go after my two cents
2: with the Vander Kane thing. Yeah. It, he to me was the best sharks player on the ice last season as well. Like what you just said. And I don't, I would hope it's not like a political thing because I definitely oh, know yeah. that Vander Kane's political side. It does not fall in line with many of the other sharks players in the locker room. And I'll just leave it at that. But, um, Sometimes you gotta wonder. Maybe this isn't Evander Kane. Maybe this is those other guys in the locker room, and that's why. Like, when Eric Carlson, I'm. I know I'm sorry for bringing up Eric Carlson, but when Eric Carlson came in, I was like, "Cool, a culture change. That might not necessarily a bad be a bad thing." And it seems, from what other stories have been, that that the locker room didn't really take kindly to that either. No. Even though Eric Carlson was beloved by the, the players in Ottawa, so... Maybe it's not Carlson. Maybe it's not Kane. Maybe it's some of the other guys in the locker room. Just things to consider. I'm not saying it's one way or the other. I'm just saying things to consider so we're not just going out and saying, oh, God, Evander Kane's doing something else now. Jeez, get it together. Like, um, yeah, Kane Kane, um, showed his heart on the ice and didn't – like, he cut down his stupid penalties dramatically this year. Yeah. I would hope it's not a situation where at the end of the year, Kane's going. geez, come on, guys! I'm dragging you around here this last because <laughs> Kane, uh, Kane uh, Hurdle, was it Hurdle and mm-hmm. Barabanov really were carrying the whole team the last three weeks of the season. So I would hope it's not a situation where Kane is, like, pointing that out and being like, come on, guys, I'm doing my part. Because then, right. yeah, I could understand that the players are pissed off about that. But um, I think the Sharks have to be upset with Frank Valley putting that out there, though, because if, An- if Andrew Kane's really on the trade block, that does hurt the trade possibilities a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Well, and you're, you're talking about really quick, um, Kevin, you know, you were talking about culture and how, you know, the guy whose name is out there may not always be um, the problem. And and I, and I think back to the inaugural season of the Barracuda, remember like everybody was really like everybody was really pissy about Nikolai Goldobin, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward to that following season, Goldobin's still there. Who's not Brian Lurg, Trevor Parks, Jeremy Mm -hmm. Langley. Like these are guys who got dumped and Nikolai Goldobin, who was the problem around
0: it's a good it's a good point
1: so just because like whoever's name is in the headline there doesn't mean they're the reason for it. like i said if i'm if i'm yoel shellman and i go up to i'm picking on yoel shellman which i hate if i go if i'm yoel shellman and i go up to doug wilson and i say man you know ah, that evander kane guy you know i really don't like what he posts on twitter it'd be like okay well you know <laughs> In in, in in you know enjoy going back to um, to Malma you know because we don't want you anymore like you know
0: so. yeah I, I I mean I I think I like what Kevin brought up about the political landscape probably in the room and I don't want to get it, super it into that
2: in that locker room for sure
0: for, right like I can definitely see I think that's a really interesting point I don't think it should go understated obviously I don't want to completely unpack that right now because we don't have time uh, we'd be here that's a whole show in itself honestly um,
2: that's a show. That's a Noah road I don't want to go down that's a Noah
0: road I do not want to go down fair enough um, but I, I think it's interesting you know I, I, AJ brought up a thing in the chat though that, but there was times where and he's not wrong there was times where, where Evander King would be in a scrum and no one came to his aid yeah you know, and I I kind of, you know, how soon we forget. Yep, I, I had kind of forgotten that. And he's not wrong. Like, there was times where Evander Kane would go stick up for a player and everyone skates away. Um, I mean, to me, this just goes to say, like, how much of a mess this team is. And I don't know, like, I don't know what you do at this point, right? Like... I'm not in the room. I'm not going to tell you what's going on in the room, so I can only speculate. Like, we all have like a, a role to play here, and and my role is I I talk about things that other people say, and you know we make a show out of it. I, I'm never going to be a guy that's going to break the news or tell you what's going on in the room. Like, you know, full disclosure on that. Obviously, that's my role in this thing. But what do you do at this point? Like, if if you look at the pieces. And you would assume, like, obviously, if, if players are going to, you know, that if Doug Wilson was, let's say, listening, obviously these are players that are probably also signed for a great deal of time to be here. I don't know how you fix that. And is dumping Evander Kane going to solve that problem? Or, you know, like, how do you, I don't know how you fix that.
1: No, because, because the whiners are just going to run his replacement out of town, too. Right. Yes.
2: Yeah. Right
1: and and I don't and I mean I I know I've seen and AJ mentions this point a lot and it's it's a thousand percent a valuable point to mention but you know Pavelski Couture uh, Thornton Marlowe, Vlasic, Burns these guys all took haircuts on contracts to make it work mm-hmm. Kane and Carlson come in and they get market value and so when AJ says that they have a right to be upset he makes a good point he's not wrong that. But that
2: said it goes back to what we were talking about with Colorado before, mm-hmm. about how many how many times can McKinnon get passed over, you know? Yep.
1: Right. But on the flip side of that, can you and again, throw away everything you've seen the last two years. We're talking about what we knew at the time of these signings. Mm-hmm. Can you really bitch too much about the best player being paid the most? No. Like, and it's just, you see the same thing on with the Vegas Gold Knights. Oh, Alex Petrangelo, he's paid so much, and we lost Nate Schmidt. It's like, well, Alex Petrangelo is now your best defenseman,
0: mm-hmm. and so. was their best player in the playoffs. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's and, and I love me some Nate Schmidt, but he was not very good in Vancouver this year, and he was no. the first person to admit that.
0: No, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Like, it's it's. It just like the more the, the more stories like this comes out, the more I just want them to throw a. I want Doug Wilson to just throw a roll of TNT into the locker room and see what lands where.
2: Yeah, that's how Jonathan Dolan finally came over to. Uh, <laughs> he goes, "Hey, I have I get first line minutes now. Everyone else got blown up."
0: Yeah, I don't. I just like i i know i know the, the rebuilds a bad word but god the more the more the more stuff like this comes out the more you wonder how long can this go on before yep. something drastic has to happen and i think that's really if you're a sharks fan i think that's really unfortunate because again um say what you will about evander kane the person he was one of the best players on the ice last year
1: and, but even then evander kane the person like I, said, like I said a few minutes ago mm-hmm. Probably the only person on the Sharks Who's willing to die
2: for this team and, and and the other thing with Evander Kane Is Evander Kane was given a leadership role In the NHL this year mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. with Reeves and, and Dumba And JT Brown Like, So I mean how bad can the guy really be Sure mo- money issues aside How bad right. can the guy really be
0: Yeah I mean he's also got some He's got a colorful history as well. Um, yeah, that, that shouldn't yeah, go without I'm just, saying. I'm trying to just think, yeah.
1: Like just... Okay, but what? You, but let's pause right there for a second. Ian, you said colorful history. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a colorful present. Fair enough. We don't think.
0: We don't. We I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I. I don't know.
1: Right. We don't think. <laughs> that's a fair point.
0: <laughs> yeah. I. I don't know. It's. It's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward um but i feel like you know we've gone really long because we always go really long so we probably do need to uh to wrap this up um we will definitely be back um we'll have to i have to I have to look at the playoff schedule and then talk to these fine gentlemen to find out when our next show is going to be but uh we will definitely be back um soon and we will find wonderful things to talk about including uh, well. we'll you know, we'll talk about the Islanders. We'll talk about Vegas, and then obviously, as more Sharks news comes out, we'll absolutely cover that. I feel like we had a good balance uh, this show. Maybe, maybe a little long, um, but I feel like we had a lot of NHL stuff, a lot of Shark stuff. It may be two-hour podcast, but it is—it's—it's going to last you two weeks. I mean, how how can you go wrong?
2: Yeah, and if you joined us late, go back and uh, rewatch. You know, uh, on on the Tiltown USA uh, platform of podcast. But uh, you know what I'm saying. Go listen to us if you joined us halfway through. It was a good show. Absolutely. And I also just want to throw out there real quick that uh, Jerk and I are still alive in the bracket challenge. Just say.
0: Ooh, I'm <laughs> barely, completely. But y-
2: barely, but yeah, I haven't uh, looked at mine. I'm like, all I cared about was Tampa Bay winning, and they're still in it. So I mean, I
1: and you know what, I had one of my conference finals, if you will. Uh, I had I had Tampa Bay and the, Tampa Bay and the Islanders so you yeah, know. I also had call I also had the avalanche and the maple Leafs
2: so.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Ricky in so, the chat asking uh, about uh, the draft at seven we did talk about this last show um, I think if I updated uh, if my board got updated a little bit I've kind of warmed up on the idea of Wallstead I think he's number three on my board now behind Eklund and I believe Clark Um I'm warming up to the idea of Wallstatt just because of a lot of the information that has come out on him. Um, a lot of people are really high on him um, to the point where they think like he could be you know, your goalie for the next bajillion years. Goalies are voodoo, though, and they scare me.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, goalies are voodoo, and they always scare me. Um, so Wallstatt's a guy that I'm warming up to. I just I can't imagine Detroit passing on him. That's the, the reality.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: All right, um, so that is it. Any final thoughts, guys? Uh, Kevin, go ahead.
2: Uh, Congratulations to the Montreal Canadiens for winning the Clarence Campbell Bowl. After 111 years, they're still doing things they have never done in franchise (laughs) history and will likely never do again. So... You know, when I said that Vegas versus Colorado was the the Western Conference Finals, even though it was only the second round, I didn't take into account that an Eastern team could actually win the Western Conference Championship. So I guess truly it was the Western Conference Finals in a way. I don't know. Weird, weird, wild things. Um, Happy for Montreal, even though they're not one of my favorite teams. Uh, But it it is cool To see them uh, get this far And uh, I I don't think they're going to go the way Of the Edmonton Oilers uh, From 2006 Where they lost in the like They they exceeded expectations Went to the finals in 8 seed Lost and then Spent years and years and years Trying to recover because they peaked way too early Well they
0: also lost Pronger that summer What's up? They also lost Pronger that summer
2: Right, right. That's what I mean. See, mm-hmm. I don't think they have to. People have to worry about th- that with Montreal, even if Montreal loses to Tampa uh, here in the finals, because Montreal definitely has the pieces in place, like Caulfield, like Suzuki, to uh, continue to move forward. Um, so yeah, um, I'm at Kevin Lacy 22, and uh, thanks for uh, you know the continued uh, messages and following and all that jazz. And uh, I will send it over to Hockey Jerk.
1: All right, so I'm going to get my Twitter handle out of the way first because I got two things to say. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at hockey underscore jerk. Um, teal tin of glasses in the summer, pucknologists in the regular season. I'm a year round podcaster, apparently. So,
0: we love get you used for to it.
1: it. <laughs> um, two things. Number one, I, I want to thank everybody in the chat for not talking about Tampa Bay lightning being over the salary cap, because per our rule, if you do mention it in the chat, you have to donate to Venmo or the super chat. And I, I it's not a rule I came up with. So thank you. But also if you donate, you're more than welcome to talk about it. That also goes for
2: <laughs> outdoor games. The talk. last show anyway. So again, go back and watch the last show. If you <laughs> want to listen to our thoughts on that.
1: And number two, uh, This is totally unrelated to the show. Uh, Ian, I don't know if you have to put an explicit tag on all the podcatchers, but you might want to.
0: I I think they're already set that way, because I swear like a sailor on any show that I'm on, other than this one apparently.
1: Kevin, Lacey, and I are playing each other in our Fantasy League playoffs, and all I want to say, Kevin... I'm coming for you, motherfucker.
2: Yeah, I like, he sent me this awesome gift uh, or video clip, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jerk and I will uh, not be friends for the next um, week or so, um, but after I sweep him out of the playoffs, um, we'll be we'll be good friends again. So uh, I look forward to speaking with you in amicable terms in about nine days or so, Jerk.
0: So uh, as oh, go sure. ahead.
1: I was gonna say nine days. I don't think it'll take that long to bounce you out, but whatever.
0: So I'm gonna regale you with a story to finish the show. Uh, first, I am at Ian Blogs Hockey on the Twitter machine. I'm gonna regale you a story of a young of a young Ian, maybe about ten years old. And then there was this team called the San Jose Sharks coming into the league, and I said, "You know, Montreal Canadiens are pretty cool, but they did all their cool stuff before I was born, or maybe the year I was born." So, I'm going to be a Sharks fan so I can watch all the cool stuff that they do and know it, like, know the history because I watched it. And then in 1993, the Montreal Canadiens win their first Stanley Cup. And then they're terrible for a long time. But now, in the year of our Lord 2021, they're about to win possibly another cup. And I have to wonder what the hell I've done with the last 30 years of my life. Thank you, guys, for listening. Uh, thanks for watching. Again, hit the subscribe, like, all the usual stuff you do on the social media. Um, and uh, we will see you next time. Keep it on Twitter. and I will absolutely let you know we're going to do this again. Again, guys, we thank you so much for uh, being a part of the show, especially as long as we run. But, again, you have two weeks to listen to the whole thing. So um, I don't feel too guilty. Have a great night, guys, and we will see you next time.